All about Novartis, this is industry focus. Hi, Fools. Healthcare analyst Michael Douglas. I'm here with our special guest healthcare analyst, Christine Harges from The Motley Fool. Christine, how are you doing? Doing great, Michael. How are you? Fantastic. Welcome to the show. Uh, for your second appearance, I think it's been. So uh, we're definitely excited to have you here. Um, so what we really wanted to do for listeners today was just kind of walk through a big pharma and how you can understand it. I mean, you know, big pharmas at the end of the day, massive companies, most of them, all of them are dividend payers and, uh, and they make up a huge amount of healthcare spending and, and, and healthcare development. And so we just really want to kind of look at and understand how a big pharma works and kind of how people should think about big pharmas, uh, particularly given that if you're a new healthcare investor, I wouldn't necessarily go for the one-trick ponies in the biotech space. I'd probably go for really big, diverse companies like Novartis, for example, which we're talking about today. Sound good? Absolutely. Sounds great. All right. Fantastic. So, so let's, let's, let's first talk about last quarter. Earnings were just announced. What do you think? Right. So as reported earlier this week, Novartis had a pretty good Q4. Mm -hmm. um, as reported, net sales were down 2%. But then when you take a look at in constant currency, they were actually up 4%. Mm -hmm. Core operating income up 9%. Things are looking pretty good. Yeah. And especially when you consider in the big pharma space, you're not usually going to see kind of double-digit growth. It'll happen from time to time. Mm -hmm. But these are big companies. Yeah. Well-established. Yeah. And it's kind of hard for one drug to really move the needle for them. So, so that's something, you know, you always do want to see positive, right? Mm -hmm. but, but single digits isn't necessarily a, a red flag unless valuation has just really gotten high, which uh, I think with Novartis, it, it doesn't look terribly expensive, especially when you compare it to some of the more expensive big pharmas like Novo Nordisk mm -hmm. and, and, and Merck. Um, but we can talk about that some more later. All right, so, so let's talk a little bit about their strategy and kind of what they've been doing to reposition. Big Pharma, of course, has faced the patent cliff. They've faced a lot of, of challenges over the last few years. How is Novartis reacting? So Novartis is kind of restructuring. Mm -hmm. uh, they decided to really focus on having these three different uh, core ends of their business mm -hmm. and getting rid of the stuff that was just excess on mm -hmm. the side of it. So they had this deal with GlaxoSmithKline last year, which is still being completed this year, in which they basically swapped their vaccine business for uh, Glaxo's oncology business. Mm -hmm. So that's very much aligned with their strategy going forward and building up their oncology portfolio. Meanwhile, they got rid of their animal health portfolio, uh, gave that to or sold that to Eli Lilly. So that's something that we saw just earlier this month and, again, is very much in line with this increased focus. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and definitely an interesting, an interesting pair of deals there. And, of course, when you, then you add in the third one, which was the, uh, um, uh, the sale of the influenza vaccine to CSL. Mm -hmm. um, certainly, it, it's clear that they've decided that vaccines, not their thing. Animal health, not their thing. And they did the consumer goods joint venture as well, mm -hmm. which... Um, recognizes that GlaxoSmithKline maybe has a little bit more experience with this and they can help, hopefully help leverage that. Um, and you're seeing this a, across a lot of big pharma, that a lot of them are saying, okay, listen, here are the three or four things we're really good at. Let's focus in on those. Mm -hmm. and, and, and and of course, there's a fine line to walk there where right. you don't want to be too specific because mm -hmm. that's just a huge risk, you know, if somebody comes in and just knocks your market share out of the park. Right. But having a couple of core focuses is traditionally a good move. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and so let's, let's talk about each of those businesses a little bit first. So uh, which, which, one, which one do you want to start with? Oh, let's talk about uh, generics first. All right, fantastic. Okay, so they've got Sandoz, which is their generics unit, and mm -hmm. that I believe is 16% of their total net sales. It's number two among generic drug makers and the leader in biosimilars, mm -hmm. which let's talk about that a little bit because that, that <laughs> Yes, <be> let's. <laughs> Yeah, no, and, and, bios, and, and as, you, as you point out, biosimilars could be huge. I mean, when you think about um, AbbVie's Humira, 
which is a, a 10 billion plus a year drug. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, when, 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 if a biosimilar gets approved, and I would say if and when, probably when a biosimilar gets approved, that is a lot of money they can get, especially mm -hmm. because they're not going to have, it looks like probably not going to have the kind of markdown that you've seen in traditional small molecules. Exactly. Generics. So it's not going to be quite as low margin as your traditional generics. Right, which means that there's a lot of money to be made there, mm -hmm. uh, knocking off some of these humongous biologic drugs. Mm -hmm. And definitely they have been at the forefront of that. Yeah, they have the first ever blockbuster generic. Um, going back to the biosimilars, they've got um, EP2006, which is a biosimilar of Amgen's uh, Nupigen. So that seems to be closing in on regulatory approval. Definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah, there's, there's a lot there to be excited about. Okay, so we've talked about Sandoz. Do you want to go Alcon next? Sure. All right. All right, so uh, this is the eye care division, mm -hmm. uh, which is I would say definitely going to be boosted in the future due to an aging population, due mm -hmm. to emerging markets, uh, new technology. Um, I see a, a lot of room for growth with Alcon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's, it's an exciting part of the business. Um, you're seeing a lot of folks actually, uh, you know, when, when activists bought up uh, Allergan, it was, in, you know, Allergan has some early stage eye care um, um, assets, which could you know, help sort of accrete to that deal a little bit. You know, you've seen Valiant Pharmaceuticals playing in that space a lot in eye care as well. And so th there's a lot of opportunity, um, particularly with Lucentis. Um, they're, they're really big eye care drug. Mm -hmm. And then finally, number three? Pharmaceuticals. Yes. The, the, the big one. <laughs> <laughs> the big daddy. <laughs> so there's a lot to talk about there. Yeah. Um, let's start with Gleevec. Sure. Uh, that's, that's their biggest drug. Um, it's a chronic myeloid leukemia drug. Uh, it took in 4.7 billion sales in 2013. And this is just this is really big, and almost five in 2014, I want to say. Um, definitely a huge part of this company. However, something that investors need to look out for is its patent expiration, which is coming up. Um, 2015 and 2016 will be big years coming off in the United States and the European Union. Mm -hmm. However, they have this drug, Tasigna, which actually is showing better numbers in trials. They're, you know, better, better efficacy than Gleevec and looks poised to come in and kind of save the day. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely exciting when you see, um, you know, a pharma having trouble with a, with a drug that's coming off the patent and then they've mm -hmm. got something that, you know, potentially could be a, could be a better standard. You know, you saw um, Teva's trying to do this with Copaxone and multiple sclerosis, mm -hmm. um, that they now have this, this new thrice weekly formulation instead of once daily formulation, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So you, you're always looking to yeah. see, um, you know, Sanofi's doing the same thing with, uh, with Tugeo in diabetes. Uh, yeah. And even these Lantis. little improvements, I mean, that can be just what you need in order to, to not totally lose all your sales. Right, absolutely. And so, so there's some, some cool opportunities there. What other drugs in their pipeline are interesting to you? Um, one pipeline drug that has me really excited is this uh, LCZ696. Mm -hmm. I'd is, say you and the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah. So that's a heart failure drug. Mm -hmm. And um, it's looking like it's, it's going to have a lot of promise. I mean, uh, we're expecting an FDA approval by the middle of this year, and it could potentially be a multi-billion dollar drug for sure. Right. Yeah. No, that could be a very exciting drug. Of course, there's always, always the question exactly what the FDA is going to look for and, and, and what they're going to see. But certainly everything we've heard seems pretty, uh, pretty I'd say pretty darn uh, good and, and it seems like they're pretty excited about this drug and certainly the sales the peak sales uh, numbers we've been seeing from a number of different analysts uh, kind of in the one to six billion range but most of them kind of closer to that six billion than the one so <laughs> yeah. that's a, a really potentially good sign yeah uh, of course <laughs> yeah no absolutely uh, anything else in their uh, in their pipeline 
Um, let's see. So just recently we saw Cosentix yeah. get uh, approval, so that's pretty exciting to watch out for. Um, it performs statistically better than Johnson & Johnson's Stellara, which posts $2 billion annually. Mm -hmm. So if we can see it stealing a bunch of that away, then that's, that's going to be a, a big mover for the company. Yeah, um, that's Cerise a psoriasis. is a huge yeah. in indication. I mean, it affects um, 125 million people worldwide. Mm -hmm. So definitely a lot of room for growth there. Yeah, well, and certainly when, when you look at the autoimmune diseases, as we were talking about with Humira earlier, right? I mean, Humira um, is an autoimmune disease drug. There are a lot of opportunities in that area where just, um, particularly when you think about maybe uh, getting approved in one area and mm -hmm. then potentially, you know, there's you know, psoriatic arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, mm -hmm. and, and, and I'm not saying necessarily that Cosentix is going to seek out all of these other indications, but certainly that's what a lot of other drugs have done. So sure, mm -hmm. a label expansion there would not hurt. Yeah, and so, so we'll be wanting to watch really closely to see kind of what they do with Cosentix, what their strategy looks like, mm -hmm. um, whether they do things sort of like Celgene has where they'll kind of get an approval in one area and then just start going in others. Mm -hmm. um, so that'll be, that'll be certainly very interesting for folks to watch. Now, let's talk threats a little bit. Um, now, you've, of course, already mentioned, you know, um, Gleevec is coming off, uh, off patent, uh, and so is, uh, so is uh, Jelenia in the next, uh, I want to say, four years, U.S. 2019, Right, yeah, 2018, 2019. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so else? that certainly does seem like a threat to me. I mean, with some of their other drugs, um, we have seen them do a really good job of getting like the next uh, the next player in the game mm -hmm. lined up at an appropriate time. We're not seeing that yet with Jelenia. There is no obvious uh, uh, drug that's going to follow in its footsteps. Um, that being said, though, there's kind of still plenty of time left. I mean, it would be nice to see something in the pipeline at all. You know, even very early stage. But there are several years remaining, and, and who's to tell? what will happen with the, the patent before then and what sort of competitors will come out. It's definitely something to watch, but I'm not particularly worried about it. Sure, no, that's fair enough. And, and you know, we also have to, have to I, I think it's important to always throw in the fact that, you know, listen, um, you are always going to have clinical trial risk um, for any, any drug in a pipeline, right? You're gonna, sometimes drugs in phase three will suddenly come up with just massive safety concerns or they'll mm -hmm. fail to meet uh, end, particular endpoints. And so those can be a big concern. Uh, that's just, it's, it's, it's part of doing business in pharma, unfortunately. So um, that's always a possibility. And of course, there's always the possibility of commercialization failure, right? So you get something through the FDA. And, and you know, we saw this with um, some of the anti-obesity drugs mm -hmm. um, that Arena and Vivas and some of these other uh, smaller cap biotechs have been pushing you know, multi-billion blockbuster projections, couple hundred million in sales max mm -hmm. uh, per year right now. So um, I think that commercialization risk is just always something people have to keep in the back of their head. Even if something looks really good, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to completely light the world on fire um, and just mint money for these farmers. But certainly, we are hopeful, I think particularly for LCZ 696, um, it would be wonderful, amongst other things, to get um, some new standards of care to really help people who are suffering from um, you know, chronic cardiovascular conditions. Um, all right, well, Christine, I think, I think we've pretty much covered everything. Anything else in your mind? Uh, I think we hit the big guys. All right, sounds good. Well, in, in that case, you know, thank you very much for our, our chat today. Uh, folks, uh, make sure to check back to fool.com for all of your healthcare and other investing needs and fool on.